The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist appeared in the desert, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People of the whole Judean countryside and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He fed on locusts and wild honey, and this is what he proclaimed. One mightier than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop and loosen the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord So here we are, fresh off the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, which we celebrated Friday. And it is a celebration perfectly placed right here in Advent. You know, growing up, I really misunderstood the Immaculate Conception incorrectly thinking that it was about Jesus' miraculous conception that we celebrate on March 25th, the Solemnity of the Annunciation. In my wrong way of thinking, I remember asking why we would celebrate the Immaculate Conception so close to Christmas, given that, generally speaking, there was a nine-month interval between points A and B. Later, of course, I learned that the Church did indeed know the facts of life and how to count, and that the Immaculate Conception, which is about Mary's beginning, is appropriately nine months before Mary's birthday on September 8th. And of course, the Annunciation is nine months before Christmas. But the placement of the Immaculate Conception in Advent works well for another reason. Mary's being conceived without sin from the first moment of her existence is not simply about Mary being a very holy woman. It is also the first movement in the progression of events that led to Jesus' incarnation, the Son of God becoming man in order to redeem us and open the door to eternal life. It was her immaculate conception that created a perfect, spotless, sinless place for Jesus, God coming to earth, to become human. The first move of that phase of God's perfect plan for our salvation. Mary's being chosen as mother of God was not by chance. She did not win some heavenly lottery. Mary was a part of God's plan from the very beginning, and her conception without sin began the clock on the Messiah's coming. It was, in many ways, the beginning of the first Advent. And as such, it seems most appropriate that we celebrate it now during Advent. God had a plan for Mary, and he has a plan for us. God's plan for our redemption was prefigured by his plan for Israel. 
God delivered his chosen people out of their slavery in Egypt, nourished them in the desert with water from the rock and manna, bread from heaven, until he led them into the promised land. So too Jesus wants to deliver his people out of our slavery to sin, wash us clean in the waters of baptism, and feed us with his body in the Eucharistic bread. He wants to sustain and care for us in the desert of this world until he welcomes us in to the promised land of heaven. But in the same way the Hebrew nation was required to take the first steps out of Egypt, today we hear in these readings the call to take the first step toward salvation, the call to repent. God had a plan for Mary, conceived without sin, destined to be the mother of the Savior and the Queen of Heaven. And although, unlike Mary, we were conceived with original sin, God also has a plan for us. And a wonderful part of that plan is repentance. To repent is defined as to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. In today's society, the idea of repenting, repentance, or acknowledging sin has somehow become repugnant and is often viewed as an unnecessary or even a bad thing. To suggest someone should repent or that someone has sinned is frowned upon as intrusive, rigid, old-fashioned, judgmental, or worse. Let's be clear on this. Repent is not a bad word. Repent is what you do when you have said a bad word. And recognizing the need to repent is not to do something wrong. It is what you do when you've done something wrong. Repent is a good word, and repentance is a necessary part of God's never-ending gift of mercy and forgiveness. As Peter said in the second reading, He is patient with you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repenting and repentance is a wonderful thing. It is the means by which we who have sinned after baptism are restored to our relationship with Jesus. Repentance is not something to be shunned, avoided, or dismissed, but to be welcomed and encouraged. Not welcoming repentance is like not welcoming a hot shower after a week of camping. Not welcoming repentance is like not welcoming a warm fireplace and a hot drink after shoveling a snow-filled driveway. Not welcoming repentance is like not running to the embracing, forgiving arms of a loving Jesus after we have been away from him due to our sin. Yes, it is exactly like that. The call to repent is not so much a rebuke as a call to return, a welcome back. It is a word of love. And it is not only from Peter and Mark that we hear this call. We hear it repeatedly through our worship. For example, how many times do you think the priest and or the congregation ask forgiveness during Mass? One, two, maybe three? Well, with very little effort, I found 11 instances, and I'm sure there are more. First, in the penitential rite, we say, The Lord have mercy. Then in the Gloria, we pray, You take away the sins of the world, have mercy. In the prayer before the Gospel, the priest prays, Cleanse my heart and my lips. And in the prayer after the gospel, he prays, May our sins be wiped away. At the washing of the hands, the priest prays, Cleanse me from my sin. 
and at the consecration, as he raises the cup, he prays in Jesus' words for the forgiveness of sins. We all say the Our Father and ask God to forgive us our trespasses. And then in the prayer after, the priest prays that we are delivered by the help of your mercy, we may always be free of sin. At the Lamb of God, we all pray that the Lamb would take away the sins of the world and have mercy on us. And the priest's prayer after the Lamb of God, he prays, Free me from all my sins and from every evil. And lastly, we pray together, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Yes, the church's prayer is very mindful of our need for repentance as we prepare to receive the Eucharist. And so now, do Scripture and the church call us during this time of Advent to repent in heart and mind in preparation for the celebration of Jesus coming to earth. We earlier defined to repent as to feel or express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. And I think we would agree that sincere regret and remorse involve not only sorrow for what we've done, but also the firm intention to not do it again. Regret and remorse are not simply acts of the will, but also emotions of the heart. One of the challenges of often repeated prayers is that the statements can become action without connection, and therefore action without effect. Perhaps as we revisit the wonderful gift of repentance this Advent, we can examine not only our need for forgiveness, but also the sincerity of our actions. That in repenting we may seek not only the act of the will, but the desire of the heart that truly brings about change and prepares us for the coming of the Savior. One of the reasons that Jesus baptizes with the Spirit is that it is the movement of the Holy Spirit that grabs not only our mind, but our heart, that empowers us to not only say the words, but to truly desire the forgiveness and the restoration. And it is the power of the Spirit that enables us to overcome our weaknesses and truly change if we are sincere in our desire to do so. As we enter more fully into this gift-giving season, it's a perfect time to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a gift, the gift to repent with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, a gift that will allow us to truly prepare the way of the Lord. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.